Hello and welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Reminder, we have exciting news. The Relatable podcast was formally sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates, and we now have a new sponsor and a new name, TFA Soft Skills. You can visit us at www.tfasoftskills.com for exciting new soft skills tips and services. In our next episode on Relatable, I speak with Kavita Prabhakar, known to others as KP. KP is the Principal and Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Deloitte. I'm so excited for you all to hear this conversation between KP and I. She is thoughtful, honest, and captivating. We talk about the DEI landscape and how Deloitte is working toward changing how we think, how we can unlearn. We talk about her journey to this country as a young woman with no idea what to expect, the keys to influence and success in the professional services environment. We talk about microaggressions and how each of us have learned from what that means and how we can change the narrative. I promise you, you don't want to miss this conversation. Enjoy this episode. Well, some of my best memories are with you in terms of the fellowship program. I really had such a great experience with that and you were such a great mentor and so made such a great impact on me. And I think, you know, we had such a great relationship. And so I really am so thankful. And, you know, since I first reached out to you, all yeah. these big things have happened for you. Oh, Not that you weren't a VIP before, oh, but <laughs> true, oh, true statement. <laughs> but I feel like the timing of this actually has worked out really well. And you have a whole new role to talk about. And I'm fascinated and want to hear about how that's been going. And then lots of other good stuff. If you're willing to go through the experience. Happy, of- to. Happy <laughs> to. And I know the team send some stuff, but you know me, Teresa, I'm just going to talk and we will figure out yeah. what makes sense to keep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. No. I'm sure they'll yell at me for something. Funny. But- and they didn't actually change that much, which is great. Oh, like look, it was I don't just- even know what they changed. <laughs> so, yeah. It probably was the wording of my questions just so that they're in like yes. present tense versus our yes. yes. active voice oh, instead of passive. Yes. So let's start with your DNI role yep. at Deloitte. Tell me how long you've been in it now, I think just to give us some frame for the question, what is most exciting about the role and what are some of the things that you've been surprised at, right? Going into that role, you probably had certain expectations. So tell me about that. So I am the diversity, equity, and inclusion officer for Deloitte. And I also co-chair the Black Action Council, Teresa. So that is, uh, yes, one more kind of, it's an additional uh, adjunct role, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I'll definitely talk about both. It's about a year that I've been in the spot. And as you know, it's quite a big change for me. I was someone who uh, have done client service uh, throughout my career, uh, led you know, practices led big sectors and industries. And to take someone who was, very much in the heart of the business uh, and ask uh, them to lead this, I think was a big shift. It Mm -hmm. was a really big shift and definitely one that I didn't anticipate. So when I reflect on, uh, you know, I am an intuitive, inclusive leader, but not by training, right? Not by (laughs) education. And so I was like, what, you know, where is this going? But I do think, 
um, that came as a strength, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the people who uh, tapped me on the shoulder and said, do this, had perspective that was you need to understand what's happening both inside and outside the firm. And you need to understand how we operate to be willing to lead such change, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that was a big part of their thinking process as I got into the role. And the role has been a tough one, I'll be honest. It's not an easy role. It is not an easy role because the role requires you First of all, the last 18 months of the social and racial injustices got everybody to a point of, whoa, what's happening? You know, are we truly understanding? Are we truly reflective? And for a firm like Deloitte, where we are so proud of our legacy in the DEI space, very proud, it was a moment of humility, Mm -hmm. right? It was a complete moment of humility because while we celebrated everything we had done, we had to be humble about the moment that showed us how much remains to be done, right? And I think it was such an important reflective moment and a moment where you could have, the fear could have taken the better of you or you could have masked the set of issues. Mm. But I totally love the fact that we seized it and said, Yes, this is the moment where we need to look ahead, we need to make changes, and we need to acknowledge where we are with transparency and humility. Um, And we did. We published our first DEI transparency report, which was a moment of simply stating where we are and sharing it with everyone without trying to spin stories around it, but simply be factual about Mm -hmm. it, Teresa. Yeah. And uh, really say, what is our journey forward? But it's important for us to remember that there's no state of nirvana in the DEI space. There's no such thing, right? right? There's always more work to do, um, always more work to do. And you just need to continuously push yourself uh, to create sustained change, right? And keep moving forward. How do you find, it's interesting when you said, because you have a perspective on the business and then certainly you have a perspective. What is your background? What is your, your nationality? So I am born and raised in India, Mm -hmm. uh, Teresa. I came here uh, as an immigrant for education. And as of August, it's 30 years exactly. Unbelievable. And I got on that plane without you know, it's hard to explain to my children or anyone listening, there was no internet, there was no email, there was no like, you know, search up what SUNY Buffalo weather is. (laughs) (laughs) Because I came from India to Buffalo, had never seen snow before. But I took a leap of faith and it's been an incredible journey for my own personal growth and my professional growth. Uh, to take that, it was a land of opportunity. I came seeking opportunity. And, you know, I was, uh, so today I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm a mom. I'm a woman in technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, definitely uh, am Asian, of course. You check Asian a lot of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I definitely yeah. am those things. But those are all, um, you know, 
those plus my lived experiences, right. the lived experiences being key, right, um, make me who I am today. And that to me, uh, it's it's just been a, it's been a great journey. I definitely want to ask you more about that piece of yeah. it. Uh, before we get there, I did, I did have a follow-up question on your current role around yeah. disruption. So uh, being, yes. you know, as someone who was at Deloitte for a long time and I loved yeah every minute of it and had such a great experience. I will say that since I've left and I've been doing a lot of work with smaller businesses, small and medium-sized businesses, I'm seeing change happen quickly and someone has an idea and it's easy to implement because it's not, you know, a sizable, like Deloitte is a, is a sizable organization with a lot of infrastructure that supports it. So for you in this role with real expectations to change how you're doing it or what it looks like. Tell me a little bit just about that. Cause I I suspect that that's not been entirely easy or, or how do you do it? Right. How do you, you almost have to become like an incubator within the firm. I'm thinking. Right. So I totally agree with that. And by the way, that's probably the toughest part of the role. First of all, it's a role of influence, right? Yeah. And a role of not, not a role where you have, preordained, you know, authority, if you will. Uh, So it is a role of influence. And you are in a position where you're trying to inspire change, but inspiring change for 125,000 people is not easy, right? It's definitely not easy. So how do you kind of think about that is hard. And, you know, I mentioned the Black Action Council, Teresa. That was in some ways an incubation model. We zoned in Mm -hmm. and said, let's look at, by the way, the big shift in Deloitte uh, and many companies probably, but definitely at Deloitte was we decided to look at individual group and systemic behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? And the systemic dimension is extremely important, right? It's a very different lens. And, you know, you could be doing a lot as an individual in a group, but if systems, policies, processes don't help, right, and don't create equitable outcomes, you really struggle to make progress. So that the equity equation and the equity imperative is a new lens uh, to how we're approaching DEI. Mm -hmm. So when you ask small company, big company, Mm -hmm. right? It is so true that it is extremely hard to move the Titanic (laughs) degree. But the big thing that we have been very clear on is while there is individual and group level cultural behavioral changes in this dimension, there's systemic changes Mm -hmm. that need to take place. And we've been able to have a lot of impact on the systemic dimension uh, Teresa, looking looking at how we approach DEI. By the way, another shift is DEI is just not about talent. And mm. it is about embedding DEI, everything. Uh, and that was another reason I think having a business mindset yeah. helped in this role. Yeah. Like, you know, how we do acquisitions, how we think about investments, how we think about supplier diversity how we think about banking. I think about the amount of banking we do and bringing a DEI lens in that space. 
So really elevating DEI beyond just talent is another extremely important dimension. And, you know, it can't be, I don't think we can, I would be remiss if I didn't mention just the, the, because of the magnitude, the impact that when you spend time in this space, that will allow others to follow that will allow others to learn from what you're learning. Like there is so many resources that have probably analyzed this, assessed this to the, to to the point that you're talking about it. I mean, that's the beautiful thing in terms of the Titanic, right? That you just have all these people on a common purpose trying to figure it out. So that's incredible. And when we, when we sort of joined at the top of the, in this conversation, you were saying like, everything is great. And, and we're like blessed to be here and and blessed to have the opportunity. I can really feel from you, the energy around the role. And I think what a cool experience for you to be able to sidestep from the client service life and to try this new thing. So it's almost like there's lots of layers to this being an exciting opportunity, I would think. Absolutely. And I I will tell you, Teresa, the other thing that has been interesting and not something I anticipated is the degree of client time I actually spend in this role because I'm not unique. Our company's not unique. My CEO, our board is not unique in that, that we're all trying to tackle it. So interestingly, yes, I am very much with clients today, doing client yeah. service, but in a very different, different way. Yeah. So it has redefined because we are solving together. And this is one topic that the purpose dimension of it, the beauty is that everybody wants to help each other. Right. There is not competitive elbows coming out on yeah. this topic. Everyone recognizes if you support one another all ships rise in this space. So the degree to which our clients are engaging with us on this discussion, you know, sharing ideas, sharing uh, solutions, sharing pitfalls, right, has been phenomenal. And we, we're we doing the same. It's a two-way dialogue to really work through because there is no defined formula right. set that we can just right. go out of the box and say, okay, tried and true. Before we talk more about your path to this place, I am curious because you mentioned influence and it's on my list to talk to you about this. And in particular, I'll just, my own observations of being around you and working with you. I'm definitely impressed with your ability to influence a certain outcome. And so when we were together, there was lots of opportunities to try to do yeah. that. We were part of a yes. learning, I guess the best way to characterize it is a learning and development yes. program, but that we were in the business trying to help yeah. solve some business problems. And so in your role at that time, what I observed is you were our sponsor and helping to negotiate yeah. and navigate those relationships with other leaders to try to figure out how we can best be successful in, in our pursuit of what we were trying to do. Right. Tell me how you cultivated and developed this skill around influence and tell me what makes it work and maybe what you see even given since we've, you know, worked together, like what do you see holding people back or, or it makes it difficult for them to be able to do it? So I think this concept of influence is an interesting one, but you have to start with the basics, right, Teresa? Mm -hmm. And the 
the basics are relationship strength. Mm -hmm. And you can't forget that relationship strength is so critical. And relationship strength doesn't come with having coffee chats, (laughs) right? They come with having shared experiences. You and I had Mm -hmm. a shared experience where we solved a set of things together and, you know, solved it well, but we learned each other in the process. So I am a big believer. Like I do, like people talk to me about networking all the time and I'm like, it's not networking without shared experiences doesn't create relationship Mm -hmm. strength. So I would highly encourage, right. That we build on ways to really work on relationship strength and how you do that. And the second thing is, it's not just about having a strong shared experience and then never watering that plant again. (laughs) You have to remember to water the plant. Mm -hmm. And that requires deliberate, intentional actions to keep that plant alive Mm -hmm. (laughs) over the years. I've been at Deloitte 23 years it's not because I knew you 20 years ago that this worked. It's because we watered the plant for each other. Right, right. Right. And you have to remember to do that. And then that's step one. So mm-hmm. I think influence requires strong relationship strength. Second thing is clarity and simplicity in what you're asking and why. And tying that to the purpose of you, purpose of the firm, right? To speak to you, right? Is I think super important. So how do you become a leader who has that clarity, who has that vision that is not just words, right? We're very good at pretty words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not enough. You have to appeal, right? To the individual so that you can move them. And moving them is the influence, right? It is not, I think people get caught up with influence being, I do something for you, you do something. No, that's not, in my books, that's not influence, right? You're appealing to their inner purpose. You're appealing to who they are and how they want to lead. And you have clarity in what you're asking and why. Mm-hmm. And that to me moves the needle on. It's so interesting. I'm working with some right, right now. I'm, I'm a coach and I'm helping them yeah. through something. And this very concept of this person wants something from someone else. It's a leader yeah. to them. It's, it's kind of a fractured relationship. And so we're talking through how do you influence a decision and an outcome? Okay. And so what's interesting is, this person is very focused on what they need and want, right? That's yeah. natural. I think we're all human. It's just what we, right? right? And right. so sometimes when you come at people like on the nose, just about what you want and need, it, it doesn't yeah. work, right? So it's yeah. what does the other person need and want? What does right. the, what, what does the other person value? What, yes. right? And so then you have a decision to make. Do you want to take that into consideration Right. Because that is another set of skills. You may maybe feel like you have to give up something if you're yeah. thinking in those ways uh, versus right. just going in guns a blazing, right. <laughs> you know, you it, it, it might not right. work. So it's just yeah. so interesting, that piece of yeah. 
what's the value that and that clarity yeah. of thought of how do I help you? Yes. How can I help you? Right. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for soft skills development, speaking, coaching, and workshops. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.tfasoftskills.com for more information. And I think getting, it's interesting, I want to influence thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't get too caught up on influencing a specific outcome, mm -hmm. right? Because when I can influence thinking, Teresa, I can help with sustainable change. Mm -hmm. If I get caught up on a particular outcome, I don't know that I'm changing the fabric and the DNA of the organization. So that's my lens on this because I want someone who designs a onboarding process tomorrow to be thinking about equity themselves, right. right? I'm not going to get caught up on equitable outcomes for campus recruiting myself. I want them to think about that, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it's influencing their thinking, their beliefs, their purpose, right, is almost what I focus on versus kind of a specific outcome. And do you think just in terms of missteps or what gets in people's way, yeah. what would you say it's the trying to only follow your own agenda? Do you think it's it's maybe not spending enough time? I, I think active listening is such an important part of influence, yes. too. So so maybe it's a component of listening. But what else do you see if I didn't mention it that you think is getting in people's way? Definitely active listening. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. And not this whole concept of watering the plant, I'll come mm -hmm. back to that. Mm -hmm. Because if you only show up when you want something. <laughs> yeah, people sniff it out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. So I, I am a believer that you got to work that, uh, you know, through and through and yeah. deeply want it, right? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it becomes transactional. Yeah. So approaching these moments as transactional moments, I don't think is uh, is the recipe yeah. for success. Okay, so let's detour a little bit because I'm fascinated <laughs> by yeah. path and journey. And I'm fascinated yeah. by, and really the like heart, if, if you ask me of this conversation of this podcast yeah. is to help people understand that life is not a straight line and that That's right. you navigate uh, yeah. and it's a circuitous path, right? Then, so I'm <laughs> curious for you in terms of your own path. And once you got to this country and that alone, in terms of just like, you know, the, I don't know if it's a risk question as much as it is, is like, yeah. are you just someone that's like pretty bold in the way that you go after things? Just tell me a little bit about your path to Deloitte and, and maybe if there's, and maybe it's, you know, when you were in India, but like at any event right. or certain things that shaped how you are today, right? Or how you've gone mm -hmm. after things. So I think the big thing for me um, was inner happiness, like just happiness and joy. And I was just raised to constantly have a barometer of where I am on that. And if it is, there are things that give me joy, that things that give me happiness are not in the equation to work to change it, 
not to wait for tomorrow, not to wait for you know a year from now. That and don't get me wrong, that's not about like not accepting tough times mm-hmm. or anything like that. It is. I, I've had my fair share of ups and downs, just like everybody, right? Uh, but this desire to always continuously seek to get better and to reach a level of personal joy and personal happiness motivates me, Teresa. And it is something that my father played a huge role. He felt that, you know, I could seize the world if I wanted to. And he wanted to be super supportive of that. I came from a culture where that was not at that time where women were homemakers, right? And that's awesome, by the way. I love the choices people make, but that he knew that that was not for me alone. And I'm a homemaker today. Remember, I have multiple roles and it's a part of my identity, but that alone was not going to be enough. And he highly uh, encouraged me to try different things and to be bold. And sending me across the oceans in a very different time was his way of opening the world of opportunity for me. And it was highly supportive parents, highly supportive parents and a family that was willing to see me jump. Did you Um, want to go? Were you nervous to go? um, I was nervous to go. But honestly, I don't know that, that that's actually an accurate response. I was not nervous to go. I was almost naive Mm. (laughs) about what is on Uh. this other like lack of ignorance is bliss, they say. And, you know, I was willing, I was, had the courage. I was, you know, definitely always bold to jump. Uh, But, you know, I don't know that I really knew what was on the other end. You know, one of my favorite quotes, Teresa, lately is, if you are afraid to jump, then jump afraid. And it pretty much summarizes uh, who I am. And it's a Viola Davis quote. Uh, And I just love it. It just, I think it is exactly the kind of personality I've been. Yes, I was afraid to jump, but I jumped afraid, you know, but I would not not jump. (laughs) So it is, uh, those have been the moments. uh, And, you know, coming to the U.S., It was about an education and Mm -hmm. education provided opportunities was how I was raised. It gives you uh, the ability to, you know, see, see what could be in very different ways. And, you know, I pursued undergrad degree, um, computer science, and I then did my master's in computer science and I've done my MBA. So definitely the desire to learn Mm -hmm. has been a big aspect, but I will say, you know, here again, curiosity to learn is important, Yeah, but courage to unlearn is very, very important. And that's how you grow as a leader. Did you find that like the academics, given what you just shared, yeah. was, did that come very easy to you or is it something that you had to work yeah. hard at? People who observe me say it came easy to me. In a family that I was raised, I worked twice as hard as my brother, as an example. So it's all relative. <laughs> right, right, right. right. I have a very strong work ethic. I mm-hmm. do. I work really hard. And it's just in me very much how I'm wired um, with a strong work ethic. You know, it's interesting. It just made me think of this, too, around work ethic. I think 
sometimes what is forgotten maybe is that people enjoy work. So, so yes. this idea that work ethic, I think sometimes has like, it's negative yeah, and I don't know that it's negative, yeah. but, I, but I love yeah. to work too. And so yeah. it's interesting. We've had some personal challenges throughout this last year and, yeah. um, it's, it's been interesting to me to sort of see where I've had to like pull back on certain things. Yes. And I realize like how much I just love working. Like it, it's yes. such a happy place for me and it brings yes. me joy. And so it's exactly. almost feels like almost unfair. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But I think, yeah. you know, we talk a lot on this podcast and on the show around, you find the thing that you love, you find the thing that you're naturally curious right. about. And then it just, like you said, it doesn't really feel like right. work or it doesn't, yeah. you know, you just, so tell me yes. a little bit then too, given what you said around being, you know, being female, yeah. being in tech, being from India. And then certainly I know Deloitte has a very positive culture in the DNI space given, I mean, relative to sort of the right. rest of the yeah. US anyway, like always fast yeah. forward, kind of cutting edge. But f- right. tell me for you, how as a female leader and as someone that I think has yeah. been involved, right, in some shape right. or form, whether it was your day job or not. Yes, of course. Yeah. Tell me just for you as a as a woman, right, how your career has been or if there's been certain milestones or moments that have made you more impassioned about it or or it impacted you? Yeah. So I think it's pretty personal, right? Like I have had some amazing sponsors in Mm -hmm. my journey. Amazing, Teresa. And they have played a huge role in my journey. But I will tell you, my journey is also about choice, Comparison, by the way, is the depth of joy. This is um, my my true belief. But I will tell you, like, when you look at my journey to your point on a lattice or uh, really looking at things where you move laterally before you move up, etc., it has been about choices. It's about what I've wanted at specific times in my career and the choices I've made. I don't Um, also like the word sacrifice. I like the word choice Mm -hmm. uh, because choice to me is you're conscious about what you're picking when and why it's right for you. And I totally picked, for instance, I made a choice of geography versus industry at a certain point in my career. And that was for Uh, life events and uh, very much about being a mom, very much about the choices I wanted and made. And each of those times I've made choices, right? Mm -hmm. I've made those choices in a very intentional, deliberate way, and they have served me well. So I do think though, I seize these moments and I don't know, like I have had people ask me, when you see yourself, do you see yourself as different? Do you see yourself as an Asian Indian immigrant woman in technology? And I will tell you, I don't know that I do. I I Mm -hmm. see myself as someone here to have impact every day. It's not that those parts are not very deeply parts of my identity, but it's not necessarily the first thing that comes to mind in terms of how I approach work or approach 
the effectiveness of the impact I'm having every day. So those moments have been very good moments where I felt sponsored, felt the empowerment and the support to take big, deep, courageous actions. And they worked out well. So it's interesting. You just made me think of something. And I don't think, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask. Do you feel like you've ever been held back because you're a woman? I do not. And it's so interesting because I don't either. You know what I think held me back was me. So I think, right, that there's a construct and granted, I I also was very fortunate to be in the in a industry or, you know, within professional services where I think it was a more mature, evolved workspace. And I'm not saying it didn't happen. And and I'm not saying that there weren't times that perhaps there was certain behaviors that I thought "Mm, this is peculiar and probably not. Like if a guy was treating a guy like this, it would be off. Like that kind of stuff happened to me. But in terms of my, I think, getting promoted or opportunities or to your point around choices, it was, I would almost self-select out or I, my own voice would hold me back versus there was some other man person kind of keeping me from being the best me. Yeah, I I totally uh, see it that way. But it's not that there have not been some systemic challenges. Right. You know, we could talk a little bit about things I've reflected back on mm-hmm. uh, that I've learned that I could have done better. And I will tell you, it's in the space of microaggressions, mm-hmm. uh, Teresa. I have experienced microaggressions. I think because they're micro my response was to put them in a draw mm-hmm. and, you know, put them in a draw and put it in there and close it away. But what I will tell you and I will tell listeners mm-hmm. is microaggressions need to be tackled as individual in the individual moments, because when you open the draw a year from now, you look at the collective impact of those and they have worn on you. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, yeah. They have most definitely worn you out. So, and again, a lot of the times you're like, oh, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to bring attention to myself. I don't want to make right. a big deal. But you also have to change the frame that you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for generations to come. And when that frame shifts in your mind that this is not just about you, KP, right? It is about who is the next person who's experiencing this. And by the way, that has got nothing to do just with gender Right. persons with oh. disability or veterans. It's a variety of reasons that may not even have to do with identity elements. Right. right, right. It definitely is something. And what I find is I talk about this concept of courage being contagious. Mm-hmm. And if I have the courage, it's I see so the next person and the next person. Right. And courage is truly contagious, Teresa. So if I reflect back on what I've learned and what I want generations to be better about is to really think about calling in or calling out microaggressions. If you'd like to advertise with Relatable, please email us at info at tfasoftskills.com. 
it's interesting. I had a conversation the other day with someone where there was a microaggression that had occurred and it was yeah. gender based and you knew the intent was not right. negative yet. Yeah. And I'm in a position being in, in, in an HR capacity that it's yeah. completely appropriate for me to have a conversation with this person. Right. Yet I even was yeah. was reluctant because I knew the intent was not negative yeah. yet I had to, it was on me to educate and it was on me to, to call it out. And yeah. so we had the conversation and it was a little bumpy of a start because the person yeah. was defensive and was like, you don't understand. I didn't mean that. I didn't. It's like, well, it's not necessarily what you meant, but it's what you said. Right. Yeah. And we ended in this really good place and it was a really good conversation. And I hung up and thought, you know, so many times we assume malintent or we assume someone meant something and they didn't. And so when you do directly address yeah. it and you have that conversation, it just goes such a long way. Right. It really does. It really does. And there's an art to doing that. There's definitely yeah. an art to doing that. And the more comfortable you get, right? Because there again, it's unlearning something. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, how much ever we talk about learning, we don't talk about unlearning. It's true. <laughs> unlearn, you know, and unlearning uh, is, is an important part of leadership behavior yeah. uh, that we have to continue to work on. Like unlearning and also what, what could you do differently, right? Framed, like, yeah. how could you change right. this? How could you do it differently right. next time? Let's exactly. talk a little bit just about for people that are listening. I mean, Deloitte yes. is certainly a career destination. You know, it's a competitive yes. place to be at. There's a lot of yes. people that um, are interested in professional services. There's a lot of people yeah. that would love to have yeah. the same type of career that you've had or be in a senior leadership yeah. role. Tell me a little bit about what helps someone to be successful right? And within yeah. the construct of, of Deloitte, and then maybe even a step further around some of the leadership characteristics and opportunities that we've talked yeah. about. So tell me, yeah. you know, when you look at either your own experience, or obviously you've been a mentor to a lot of people, what are some of the things yeah. that you see that if someone's aspiring to that type of career or trying to get into Deloitte, what, what should they be thinking about or how should they be developing those skills? It's so an I easy think, question. Uh, easy, very easy <laughs> question. So my like brain is totally processing. So I think the big thing in my mind that comes first is be the master of your craft. Mm. You, you cannot lose that dimension, right? Like we, uh, what has happened over over the years? I worry is a little bit of layering of soft skills to the, to the degree where people are forgetting oh, interesting. being a master of your craft is still important and invest in that and you know recognize your credibility comes from being really good at your craft mm -hmm. right and whatever that craft is right. whether it's in technology it could be whatever it is i don't even want to go through examples but become really good at your craft. And the second thing I would say is recognize that it's important to always understand how your craft fits with the purpose of the organization, right? right? What is the value 
like your ability to communicate impact and value of your craft in the context of what it means, right, to your organization and to your clients. In Deloitte, that's a big deal, right? right. Our clients is uh, front and center, I think is, is probably the second thing. The third thing is do not underestimate how much this is a team sport. So having sponsors, having great leaders to learn from, having mentors, having allies, right, mm-hmm. is super important. And, you know, you have to continue to do those things on a regular basis, which comes back to relationship development, right? right? Relationship strength as well. And all of that layered with do not ever hesitate to be your biggest advocate. Right. I do not have any hesitation to advocate the work uh, that I engage in the value uh, that the team brings. And, you know, that to me is important, is super important because in a sea of 125,000 people, if if you don't get seen, you have a role to play in being seen and being valued and recognized. Um, So those are the things I would say. How do you, how would you, this is maybe tough, but how would you, coach someone or tell someone to balance between the team collaborative nature of consulting and professional services, because it is very much a team. You do everything as a unit sort of juxtaposed to the competitive nature of what it means to be successful in that organization, because ultimately not in every role, but let's just talk on the consulting, on the, on the, on the services side of the business, on the client service side, the work you win, the work you deliver, right. That ultimately starts to create your path. So how do you balance those two, two things? What would you say, can you have one without the other, right? Like how do you put team first if you need to be somewhat competitive to stand out? It's interesting. My philosophy, Teresa is give credit away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It has actually served me personally really well. Yeah. Just get credit away. And it's fascinating how the universe uh, then speaks back uh, with with making sure um, you shine, right? Like one, one other concept that I talk about is basking in other people's sunshine. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you create your own sunshine, but learn to bask in other people's sunshine right. as well, because it's a great source of strength. It's a great source of, um, you know, really creating team spirit. And I, for me, when my team shines, I know I'm shining. Right, right. <laughs> I know whether or not it is you know, individually credited or not, it just propels you. It's a stronger force yeah. uh, that propels you forward. So that I'm not, and you know, again, I want to balance it to the point I made. You have to advocate for the impact you're having. Right. You have to be able to tell stories about the value your team is bringing. But it is not, um, in my mind, Letting that happen at the team level has served personally me very well yeah. in getting the recognition and the opportunities to get, you know, uh, to progress. 
the one thing that I love about the model, the apprenticeship model, right, which is if you come in right out of school and you get that opportunity to grow within the construct that's there, it it makes so much more sense, right. When you're, when you're, when you grow in it, because then you, it's the pay it forward. Right. And, and what somebody did for you, you get to do for the person behind you. And it, and it's a really cool when it's working well and the, and the kind of right people are in the right place. You know, it's, it's a really neat thing to see. Let's talk. I just have a couple more. So, so one question, and I think I had it framed earlier that I was going to ask you just about a mistake, but I think what I'd prefer to ask you is just developmentally for you. Yeah. What do you think you've spent the most time developing in your self professional? Like, like, is there one thing that sort of shows yes. up a bit yes. <laughs> that you're like, yes. okay, I've got, you know, this is something that's like, not every, right. You said everybody's got different right. strengths that they're working through. Yes. So what's something that you're tackling or that you try to tackle and, and you've seen some growth for yourself? Yeah. I would say I've been at uh, Deloitte 23 years. I've been at the U S 30 years. If there's one thing I've consistently worked on is the art of communication. And written, verbal, absolutely how to do it authentically, how to do it with clarity and conviction, right? In a way that reaches people, in a way that inspires people. And it doesn't stop, Teresa. Even today, I feel like I'm continuously working on that aspect. So I have seen personal growth in the space. Mm-hmm. I feel my own personal growth in the space, but I also see that I have to continue working on it, continue working on it. I just, um, that's what I would tell. And what do you see in terms of other talent that's coming in, right? Would you say that's also somewhat underdeveloped in in the people that are coming in, right? Yes, absolutely. The writing uh, is really interesting. Just, uh, and again, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, there's no blame. <laughs> it's there's, just yeah. a product of the times, right? Yes. And how people are being groomed and, and educated. Right. Uh, right. And there's just a lot less yep. emphasis or time on that. So maybe that dovetails to, to this other question. I have just two more for you. Yeah. One, I think you know that I'm a soft skills enthusiast. Yes. Uh, you may or may <laughs> not know that. But, and interestingly, you know, in my career in HR and, and what I've observed is that people struggle and, you know, you talked about collaboration before this art of communication, I think influence. So maybe it is communication. Maybe it's a ditto answer. I am curious when you think about critical soft skills that are required to be successful in professional services, what, what are those if there's more than one? I would say the art of giving and receiving feedback. Yes, ma'am. I, <laughs> I don't know if that's high on your list of things you promote, Teresa, but it is high on my list, right? And, yeah. you know, people people often say giving feedback is not being kind. No, it is actually right. the kindest thing you could do. Feedback is a gift. And it is, yeah. in my opinion, both giving and receiving feedback. 
your ability to receive feedback is so important in developing yourself um, as a leader. And, you know, even the vibes you give out and whether you're willing to receive feedback, right, Right. is, is such a big leadership trait. So that to me is what I would say is something that is all of us can continue to do yeah. better. How many times has someone come to you and you have said to them, well, have you told them? <laughs> like they come yeah. to you about another situation and you right. ask the question, have you right. discussed this with right. this, you know, and they're like, no, right. Because right. it's so it's that human it's avoidance. Yeah. I don't know what, what gets in the way, yeah. but certainly for sure it people is, are hiding. Yeah. And it is, you know, recognize that, it is the best thing you could do for them. Right. It is a gift you can give them. And it is, you know, you being a leader, a pure leader. Or a, yeah. You, know, you don't. A yep. leader, it doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. Like it is. I think that to me and your ability to do it in a more real time fashion mm-hmm. is even like there's a timing element to it. Yeah. It's an investment, uh, right? Yes. Yeah. For sure. There is a timing element to it too. So I continue to push myself yeah. on this topic. Yeah, it's I a really great one. Continue. Yeah. So yeah. to come full circle before we wrap here, as you look out ahead, you know, you've talked about some of the things in your not so new now DEI role that and your your um, Black Action Council. Did I get that right? Yeah. So tell me some of the goals or what success looks like and what. I don't know. You remember Laura Rothy? We we used to uh, talk a lot about the shower test, right? You get up in the morning, you have the shower test. Like I want to, you know, I get, I'm ready for the day versus like, you know, get up, take your shower and you want to get back in bed. So, you know, what's the shower test for you? What gets you excited about what's ahead? And um, so when we check in with you in a year, uh, you can give us an update. couple of things. I measure my success in a given day by thinking about have I made someone like open their mind, push mm-hmm. their thinking or made them uncomfortable. Even mm. Teresa. So, <laughs> because I feel if I have not, it is that I haven't pushed enough on the dimension of change on the dimension of flipping orthodoxies on the dimension of, you know, breaking barriers or historic, systemic, right, as the case might be. So I think a lot about that on a given day. Have I done enough of that? And that's something that I measure kind of the impact of a day by. So I can't believe I'm saying this, but have I made anybody uncomfortable on this topic? (laughs) It's a great measure for me. Yeah. When I look long-term, right, I think a big aspect of uh, the journey and success in the space of DEI Mm -hmm. is obviously the concept of equity and driving equitable outcomes, both inside and outside the organization. The second thing is it's not just about representation Mm -hmm. of which I think people get caught up because it becomes a numbers game. But what is the experience of the individuals, right, right, in your organization? Is their talent experience uh, truly, truly off the charts, right? 
um, just as much as or at parity to others. Um, I think that to me is, uh, you know, the sentiment and the experience is as important as the representation. Um, And probably the third thing I would say is that we are continuously, you know, helping allies, helping leaders, helping everyone in the organization recognize that this is a business imperative and not just a social imperative, uh, Teresa. Mm -hmm. The more people get that, the more progress we will make, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The more progress we will make. So those are some things I think about when I think about what success looks like. You're like like a a shapeshifter. You're like a a mind shapeshifter. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. I like it. I'll take that. Yeah, that's good. Mind shapeshifter. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, And thank thank you for being my friend for uh, all these years. Ditto. Uh, Thank you. It's so great to see you. I'm so appreciative of your time. I, I really feel like this was so it's enjoyable for me, which I, and, and I'm sure it will be too for the people that listen, but I feel like we got to touch on a lot of different things and components of your experience, which has been great. And I'm just so thankful. I really, it's so good to see you. I wish we were in person. Yes, I know, um, but we'll catch soon. up soon. That All will right. be soon, right? Thank Take you care. so much. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. KP, so many great nuggets of wisdom. To name a few, networking without a shared experience does not help relationship strength. I love that you talked about how important that shared experience is. Uh, Another uh, comment, uh, once you have done and and created that relationship strength, be sure to water the plant. (laughs) So keeping in connection with with those relationships. Another one, uh, if you're afraid to jump, then jump afraid. That was such a good one. I love it. I love your sentiment about learning your craft and being good at what you do so that you can add value. And most of all, what I really loved was your transparency and your honesty and ability to say that even at Deloitte within the DEI space, it's a difficult challenge. We don't have all the answers. You know, we're trying to do what we can to improve and to be better next time. Thank you again for your time and for participating and being part of Relatable. Really enjoyed having you. Thank you to Missy and our friends at Castos for producing this episode. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and rate Relatable. We can be found on your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills. Check out our website and our YouTube channel. Our website, www.tfasoftskills.com. And our YouTube channel is TFA Soft Skills. For more information on how we can best support you and your soft skill needs. Until next time, stay connected. Mm-hmm.